Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits. The first thing I want to talk about is uh, drugs. But before I start, I do want to give my sincere condolences on behalf of all the staff here and the radio station to the friends and family of Jack Downey, who sadly lost his life after attending a festival in Cork this weekend. Now, we are going to be talking about drug use on the show today, and I want to be sensitive to the fact that there is a family grieving, and I want everyone on the air today to be aware of that whilst discussing the topic, but I think it's important that we talk about it. Uh, What I want to ask is, do you agree with drug testing facilities at gigs and festivals? Now, what I'm talking about is, uh, I suppose, uh, the idea that you can actually detect actual drug contents before someone consumes it. And a group advocating uh, for drug harm reduction services wants this drug testing facility at gigs. Uh, Their calls uh, follow, of course, the tragic death of the Seal Mall and Cork Festival over the weekend and is understood to have taken a substance. The incidents came just hours after the government announced, by the way, that it would be not uh, in favour of recommending uh, decriminalisation of drug use, but it did talk about new provisions of not arresting people and not charging people and sending people for treatment instead. And warnings about a bad bunch uh, had been circulating at the festival on Friday while Cork University Hospital tweeted on Saturday that it had received a patient with a severe illness. Now, drug harm reduction advocacy group Help Not Harm has called for Gardaí to allow drug testing facilities at events without criminal repercussions for people accessing them. And uh, they say the services have been running effectively in Spain, Switzerland and Australia. And if I remember correctly, uh, many of the uh, festivals in the UK back in, well, I, when I was DJing back in the 90s when ecstasy was a big thing, um, a lot of the nightclubs um, the, the police in the UK allowed the nightclubs to also test ecstasy to make sure it was genuine. Now, the group says the UK festivals provide a variety of drug harm reduction services. Drug use has been in the news again today and quite a lot lately as the government is announcing new plans for dealing with personal drug use, which will see first-time offenders return to the HSE for health screening rather than being arrested and charged. Uh, the changes are being made as part of a new health-led approach to personal drug use instead of criminalising those who are found with drugs. And this approach, according to the government, will aim to connect people who use drugs with health services to support them on their path to recovery and not to stigmatise them. In the first instance of being found in possession, Gardaí will refer a person to a health service. In the second instance, the Gardaí will have the discretion uh, to issue issue a caution. And this is, by the way, in relation to Class A drugs, uh, not just cannabis. Third and further offences will be treated with uh, the criminal justice system, as currently is the case. So in other words, you can kind of get caught twice in possession of Class A drugs without actually getting a criminal conviction. And the government are not decriminalising drugs, displays calls for it. But mind you, this does seem like decriminalisation to me. But however, I want to get your thoughts on drug use in Ireland. My opinion personally is that we shouldn't be encouraging people to use them. And I believe prosecution is the best way of eradicating drugs from our society. Although you can argue with me that we have failed, the war against drugs has failed. I kind of agree with you in some sense. Yes, prohibition doesn't always work, but in saying that it can deter people as far as I'm concerned. And I agree with reclassifying drugs so that drugs like cannabis uh, could be dealt with with a caution. But anything harder than that, Class A drugs like cocaine or heroin, I believe should be immediately prosecuted. Uh, the idea of making sure that drugs are, for, are, you know, are, are consumed, are safely consumed at festivals is not something I would be personally advocating. But I know there are people out there who think it's a good idea. So I'm going to speak uh, to Florin, uh, and I'm going to pronounce her name wrong, absolutely. I'm going to speak to, to Florin, uh, I think it's uh, Shybite. And uh, I'm sorry, Florian, if I mispronounced oh, your no name. No problem. I do, I, do you want to say your name, actually? Because I'm going to struggle on that. 
Florian Scheibein. Okay, Florian Scheibein. Sorry, He's Florian. German. I, I apologise for that. Okay, but, no problem. Okay, your group is advocating drug testing at festivals and gigs, and I remember this when I was DJing back in the nineties when ecstasy was the the kind of cool drug at the time for everyone to take. They were even doing it in some places over here at the time because there were quite a few kids were killed taking ecstasy and they got bad doses. Does it not send out the wrong message that we're saying, well, you know, it's okay to take drugs as long as we test them first? Well, first of all, we'd also like to offer sincere condolences to Jack Downey's family and friends. But uh, uh, it doesn't send out the wrong message because the reality is that uh, people use drugs throughout Ireland and more and more people are using drugs. And these services have been available in festivals in Switzerland, Austria and um, Spain for 20 years and what happens when you have those services is it gives you an opportunity to have a brief intervention around drug use with a population that usually has little to no contact with drug services mm-hmm. and you allow you when you have those people there you can also refer them to other services and it also collects data for the sending out of alerts so what you find in a, like in portugal and in the uk where they're testing um where they've evaluated some of these services and published their research is that people often dispose of the drugs uh, and also some of them decrease their consumption because... Is it not a case that they might try and take them before they get as far as you in case they get caught? Uh, Sorry, could you... Is is it not a case that they might try and take the drugs before they get to the point where you're examining them or you're checking them or the guardee around in case they get caught? Yeah, well, um, what happens sometimes at the outside of festivals is if there is a strong policing, people will swallow the drugs before they go into the festival, and then there's a huge spike of incidences mm-hmm. on the other side. But ideally, what you have is, like, you, there's evidence from the UK to show that the drugs that are sold within the festivals generally are of a lower quality. Um, in, and there is services, there is other drug checking services like the one in Wales called Wednos, uh, where you, you send your drugs to the service. And I, look, I, I, I understand, Florian, mm-hmm. that it, it is a huge problem. And if I go back to when I was a young man, I'm 19 and 20 yeah. years of age, six friends of mine were killed in Clontarf. Uh, when they, yeah, when they bought drugs, well, they thought it was drugs, it turned out to be battery acid. Um, oh, Jesus. Yeah, so, so they all died. It was a, a tragic event at the time, it was all over the papers at the time. Six of them died in the one apartment, one night and one party. Um, but in saying that, I, I do understand what you're saying, but like I have said to my children, my youngest is 18 and my oldest is 23, and I've said to them all their lives, drugs are bad, drugs are bad, drugs are bad. And I would like to think that if my 19-year-old or 18-year-old or 23-year-old went to an event and had drugs, that the police would take it off them. And they would caution them, or depending on what they had, if it was cannabis, they would caution them. If it was a harder drug, they would prosecute them to teach them a lesson that this is wrong, this is illegal. I've told them it's illegal. So, um, I, I, and, I, and, when I, and when I listen to you, and, and by the way, I do believe that your heart is in the right place. I do believe that you're a hundred percent right in what you're saying. I would rather see the drugs tested than some kid die. Absolutely. But in saying that, when we talk, we listen to the government this week and they're talking about this idea of not prosecuting people uh, in possession for personal use of hard drugs, of Class A drugs, I believe we're almost giving drugs the green light. Well, I guess the, the reality is, for one, is that it, the uh, threat of being arrested has never really been a deterrent for most, particularly middle-class people. But the people who are become who are visible to the Gardaí are the homeless and the other marginalised populations. Marcus Keane from the head of services in Analyphy wrote a very interesting piece about that because 
the reality is drug use is, is here and people aren't scared of the police detecting them because most people aren't going to get arrested unless you are somehow in the public eye or you you become an irritant. Yeah, you, you could become to the attention of the guards before, yeah. yeah. So it, it's never been a deterrent, really. And the, the current approach now, what what is happening, it, it doesn't really accept that addiction is like a chronic relapsing uh, health condition. So the people who who will be, who will benefit from this is uh, the student gets gets caught with a joint, but not the person who's heavily dependent on heroin for twenty, thirty years. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, like many young kids, went through a stage between 18 and 20 where I experimented. You know, I smoked cannabis, I took LSD, which would have been a kind of popular drug at the time way back when I was a young fellow, I'm 55 yeah. now. And, you know, speed and a few others. But I, I stopped after about two years and I haven't done anything since, right? But yeah. I, I think a lot of the reason was that the sensible part of me didn't want to get caught. Uh, not because probably I thought it was a bad thing at the time because I was young and stupid, but the sensible part of me didn't want to get caught. So it was, it was the fear of being caught, the fear of having a prosecution. Um, I was in the Rohini Inn one night many, many years ago and the police raided it and searched everybody. Thankfully, I didn't have anything on me, but they, they did arrest people, you know, with 10 euros or pounds at the time worth of drug, worth of cannabis and charged a lot of people. So it was that whole idea that you didn't want to get caught, you don't want a criminal conviction, you know it's illegal, but mm. I just find... You know, listening to you and not to everything you're saying, by the way, because I'm not disagreeing with everything you're saying and listening to the government this week and everything that's been said about, de- well, almost decriminalisation. I just find that we're sending out the wrong message in a country that has a really big problem with drugs. Well, I, I think like the, there's a population who are, for the want of a better word, engaging in sort of a higher risk drug use. And that population hasn't been served by this legislation at all. Now, we're... The evidence, like the, as part of the working committee review, they, there was um, some people from the UK, I believe, who did a review of all the decriminalisation in different countries. And generally speaking, laws don't have much of an influence on, like, at a population level, mm-hmm. because of just the the the, um, the risk of being interdicted is. So small that well, what have they no. done in the UK at the moment? They, they've reclassified, the, say, cannabis for personal use, right? So, which means that, not that it's legal, but you'll get a caution if you're caught with it first time and in, second in, in, time. I think in some, in, it's sort of like a postcode lottery in the UK that different police services have different approaches. So some of them have introduced the more uh, similar sort of caution-based models. So different... Mm. But like I still think when it comes to class, I still think when it comes to class A drugs like cocaine or heroin, yeah. you still you will still get a, a criminal prosecution. I I think those reclassifications and cautions mm-hmm. only you know it's only in relation to cannabis or hash or whatever it happens to be. I, I think maybe Durham or West Midlands might include other uh, drugs too. I'm not I'm not so certain about that one. But, and um, Florian, what what is? I suppose it, it's an awkward question. What's the drug of choice for young people these days? In my day. As I said, it was, you know, smoking cannabis or taking LSD. What, in the 90s, we went to a whole phase with dance music of, I suppose, ecstasy, uh, poppers, all that kind of stuff. What, what, what are kids taking now? What well, are- I, I think that um, ecstasy and cannabis from the National Advisory Committee on Drugs seems to have increased dramatically over the last couple of years. But I think a drug that is becoming bigger and bigger and more endemic and quasi-normalised throughout the strata of society is cocaine. Cocaine has become... Mm. Uh, Which is an extremely dangerous drug. 
It is a and, very and, drug, and, yeah. and a mind-altering drug for, for those out there who are even t- thinking about testing the waters. It's mind-altering could cause permanent damage. It can cause long-term problems, social problems, as well as everything else. And there is, for example, cocaine is a good example for one worth of drug testing just for knowing the purity of it, because the purity is, can be like, it is very strong. Sometimes the... The purity could range from zero to 100%, so you wouldn't be... Well, I've, I've heard stories of them mixing rat poison and stuff and all sorts of and stuff. To well, I think in the majority of cocaine, there is a deworming agent called levacimol. Uh, and if people were told, this cocaine has this deworming agent, you're probably not going to take that drug, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, like, because a lot of the fear tactics... And what would happen if really you work. guys are there at a gig, right, and yeah. you, you set up your table or your desk, you know, with the permission of Angarda Shekana, and yeah. people approach you and they say, OK, listen, can you can you test my little line or wrap or whatever it is? Yeah. And you say, look, this has a worming agent in it, or it has rat poison in it, or it has what they used to, in the case that I was talking about back in the time, it was battery acid. So they'd scrape the white, you know, off the, off the top of a battery. Uh, the corrosion, yeah, and they would mix that with it as well, right? But if you guys, you know, tested that and said, well, this is it, do you then take it off the person? Is it their choice then to go uh, off and take it if they want to? Or what way does that work? It's um, it's usually their choice. And in the UK, they found that two out, two out of three people who found out that their substance was not as expected uh, uh, threw it away. In, okay. the, in, in Lisbon, where they did a study, they have a different culture there. I believe it's as high as 90% of people just throw away the substance. And even when the substance is as expected, some up to 10% uh, in both those, uh, they, they throw away the drugs. Like, it's a good opportunity to say, why are you taking drugs? Is there a need to take drugs? Mm-hmm. And this substance is particularly harmful. Because, like, one big problem, too, is that people and, don't... And you don't, you don't think for a minute that it kind of give kids the green light to bring the drugs in because they're saying, oh, well, look, the Gardaí are giving these guys the okay to test me drugs, so it must be all... Well, not, not that they know it's illegal, but it must be all right for me to go to this gig with drugs. It's not going to give them the green light to it. Oh, well, as people who work in those sense often are like medical professionals and other do- and they're trained drug workers, so it would be the first contact with an actual drug service for those people, and it's definitely not trying to promote the drugs, so... Mm-hmm. Um, it's an opportunity for them to question why are they using the drugs in the first place. Can I ask you, um, Florian, in your own opinion in relation to Class A drugs, leaving aside cannabis, because we can have a debate about that, right? Even though yeah. I do believe that it can be dangerous for many people and uh, addiction centres are finding more and more young people coming in with cannabis addiction, right? But yeah. le- leaving aside cannabis, for Class A drugs, do you believe that people should have a criminal conviction if they're caught with uh, drugs for personal use? I, uh, to, to be honest, I think that uh, I've just seen from people I've worked with myself who uh, had severe mental health issues, often people who came from care or who are homeless, and the criminal thing has never been helpful. It, if anything, has made the drug use worse. Um, so so are, are, we, are we saying that we've lost the war, just should throw the towel into the ring, throw the hat at it? Because that's the way it comes across to me, not from you, but from the state, when we talk about these new provisions and these new laws that we want to bring in. Well, I think the number one, it's an interesting one with homelessness. Uh, if you take someone who's in a rough sleeper and you give them a house and you put services around that, that house, um, their drug use, everything else decreases. Like the housing part is one of the huge drivers for the drug use for a lot of people. And the same with mental health, the same with 
uh, employment opportunities. That's what the, where the focus should be. Is like yeah, but the focus has been there for many years. And if you look at it, the it, it yeah, ha- but look at the results, Florian, from rehab, for example, where you've got eighty percent of people who go into rehab don't even finish the course. The twenty percent that do go back out onto the street, many of those go back on drugs again. So it, it kind of has no, failed. I, 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 don't, I don't think the houses are there. I don't think the mental health services are there. I don't think the employment opportunities are there for people who've been heavily entrenched. There's a whole part of like a lot of the social issues surrounding drug use that are not directly drug use, so fixing those would uh, mm-hmm. have a huge... And the, uh, there's a big move, too, with the Garda Shikona, uh, with the Garda Shikona also, but uh, the Scottish and the Welsh uh, police forces on moving towards a trauma-informed approach, which is, means trying to reduce adverse childhood experiences. That's one another big driver. All right. Well, listen, uh, thank you very much indeed, and I appreciate you coming on the air. Uh, Thank Florian, you for having and, me on uh, that. No problem at all. And that is um, uh, help, not harm. Uh, what they would like to do is have set up uh, desks, I suppose, at festivals and gigs and check people's drugs to make sure they are what they're claiming to be and they're not dangerous. Okay, let me know if you think it's a good idea. And, and hand in hand with that, I suppose... Because in some sense, you could argue that he's given a bit of a green light. Well, on those particular occasions, as you know, then that those at those festivals, you, the the government policy of not arresting people and not criminalising people found with Class A drugs on the first um, the first time they're caught, uh, the second time they're caught, it's up to a guard's discretion, and the third time they're caught, it, they will actually face a charge. But the idea that you can be caught now with heroin or cocaine and not go to jail, or not be prosecuted, not have a criminal offence, we're not talking about cannabis. Do you think this is a good idea? Do you agree with this, I suppose, health-based approach to drug use in Ireland? Or like me... Are you against it? Uh, do you believe that it gives drugs the green light? I read an interesting text there during the break. I want to read it out to you. Um, it's from a young lady, I think. And she says, anyone who thinks drug testing will encourage drugs is in deep denial. I'm a 23-year-old woman, just finished college, and MDMA usage is everywhere. Every single one of my friends has taken MDMA. Uh, I can't think of one person who hasn't. Well, maybe I could maybe question your circle of friends if that's the case, because I know a lot of people, uh, young people who don't take MDMA. Anyway, uh, my parents, like you, Niall, have told me and my siblings our entire lives not to take drugs and the negative effects. I'm glad to hear that. But my 20-year-old sister and I have already taken MDMA, along with everyone else our age. Um, I've been uh, to about 10 festivals over the past four years, and MDMA MDMA is everywhere. I have been extremely vocal about on-site testing since I brought my own test kit to uh, EP, whatever it is, two years ago. Uh, Oh, Electric Picnic, oh yeah. Uh, Tested my friend's pills, and it tested positive for PMMA, a toxic, potent MDMA substitute. I could have well saved his life by testing it. He would have taken it regardless of the test or not. Please pull your head out of the sand and come to terms with uh, that every Irish young person experiments with drugs. And horrible incidents will continue to happen if we don't allow safe testing. Irish culture has always been to sweep things under the carpet. Uh, Well, I'm going to disagree with some of what you said. I don't believe every Irish young person has taken drugs. I think quite a lot have, but I don't think every Irish person. And you you talk about your parents talking to you about the negative effects as if it's some sort of bad thing. I think it's a very good thing. And the fact that you say that all your friends are taking it, um, I find that unusual. Uh, I don't think all young people have taken drugs. Helena, have you ever taken drugs? Sorry. No, I've never taken drugs. The only thing I did uh, do was in college, I did smoke um, 
A joint. A joint, but not even a full one. But okay, no, so never... you've never taken speed or ecstasy or... No, and I actually have a zero tolerance for it. I don't like being around people who have done it. Which and I... would you say, because this young girl, 23 years of age in college, Phyllis, because she, she said most of her friends, or all, all of her friends is the word she used, uh, have taken, are taken MDMA. To be honest with you, I kind of, I, I do agree with her. I think I am actually an exception to the rule at the moment. Okay. Because there are so many people now, it's, it's rampant in every club, every pub you go into, so many people between the ages of about 18 to maybe 35 are doing it every every weekend. Every single weekend. And why? Is it cheaper than alcohol? Because I don't drink, obviously. So. No, it's but absolutely it... not cheap. But it's it's just people keep doing it now. And do, you, and do you get offered it? You, I mean, when you're out and about, uh, you know, if you're out with Rory or Michael or whoever you're out with at a weekend, I, do, you I get, do you get offered it? No, I haven't been offered it, no. But I know people who have been offered it. Maybe in the bathroom, in a toilet, in a pub somewhere, they are offered it, yeah. All right, let me go to Patrick. Patrick, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Patrick? Hey, I don't know. Uh, Patrick, you believe a health-based approach uh, reduced drug use? Absolutely. I'd be all for decriminalisation and I'd be all for legalisation, as done by Switzerland. Um, just you were saying there was a big problem with drugs, and we have of addicts in my own family. Mm-hmm. And the way I would think the people that had addictions in my family, their problem usually got worse when they got involved in the criminal justice system. Um, the method for them would have been to be, you know, uh, prescribed what they were addicted to, exactly as you did in Switzerland. Like you were saying, we have a big drug problem. Switzerland had one percent of the population addicted to heroin at one stage. You know, they had massive rates of HIV infection. Switzerland had parks strong with needles; they were called Needle Park. Um, we never had it that bad. So why, like, if we and, and, what are, and what are the results now? Although I, I think I remember Patrick, you texting into the show before about this or something similar to this. Uh, was it yourself? Who texted in before? Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I remember looking up that about Sweden, and there's different opinions on how the legalization or decriminalization uh, has affected society. Um, now, the same in Portugal. People talk about a reduction in drug crime in Portugal since the legalization or decriminalization of drugs. But then the experts will say, well, of course, there's a, a drop in criminal uh, arrests because people are not being arrested for drugs anymore. So yep. it's very difficult to actually quantify how well that it, works. It's, it's my, not really. I, I, I but my fear is, Patrick, that. We're telling our kids all the time, drugs are bad, drugs are bad, drugs are bad, right? We also tell them that alcohol is bad too if you take too much of it and cigarette smoking, right? But drugs are bad, they will destroy your life, socially and every and physically in yeah. every other way. And yet, here we go, you know, in 2019 and we're saying, but you look, you're grand, we won't do anything about it if you get caught the first time. Sure, you're grand, you probably won't do anything the second time. But you look, just don't do it again. Third strike and you're out. So we're kind of saying we're going to give you a chance. Yeah. And no, I, 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 don't, I think that's a bad message to send out. Well, you can send all them. I think what people like yourself, unfortunately, have you have a thing called confirmation bias. I think you look at stats that suit your own kind of worldview. The reality is very, very different than what you projected as. In terms of kind of like, I, I would hate as a teen. I can admit to now that I've had some drug use in the late teens, like everyone else in the working yeah. class area yeah. where I'm from. People, you'd be shocked at the amount of cocaine use in the local pubs in my area. And I'm not just young people. I'm talking about people in their fifties and sixties who are doing cocaine in pubs in working class areas in Dublin. So it's everywhere, it's it's reality, and I'd rather people were safe. I'd hate the thought that I could have took something bad when I was late 19, 20, whenever I was doing it, and I could have took something that could have killed me, and there was a simple thing that could have tested it to make sure that it was going to be okay. People are young, they get curious. The fact is that when you decriminalise drugs as part of no, okay, it... Well, leave, leave aside, leave aside the testing, right? I, you know, I might go with you on the testing. Seems it's happening anyway. Maybe it would be I should take my head out of the sand when it comes to the festivals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when we talk about what you said, your introduction was: I agree with the decriminalisation and the legalisation of, yep. of all drugs. 
I, yeah. I just think, you know, where do we go with that? We're more or less saying we've already well, got alcohol. Alcohol is a drug that destroys this, has destroyed this country over the last 50, 60 years anyway. So where, where do we go with, you know, the legalization of drugs, heroin, cocaine? Well, do you not think this is, it's just a really bad message to send out? No, I think it's a, it's a common sense message. Portugal has 50% reduction in, in, in intravenous drug use. They have 35% reduction in drug they use. They don't know that. Oh, this is what the experts say. But, but, but hang on, they and actually you have don't. confirmation bias, Niall. You look at stats that suit yourself. No, Portugal, no, no, no. What I'm saying Portugal to you is the experts say they don't know this because people aren't coming forward because people are not being arrested anymore. <laughs> Intravenous drug use has been re- and re- addiction has been reduced by fifty percent. Same in Switzerland, they legalise heroin for addicts and prescribe it. They go into a centre and they take it. It's not one of the one well, of the. We, we kind of did that too, didn't we? By you know, we, we've more or less helped addicts out. Addicts go in now into centres in this country, into Merchants Key and all of the places. They don't get diamorphine though. No. Diamorphine is medically pure heroin that people you could get it in a hospital tonight if you're in a car crash and I hope you're obviously never are. But if you're in a car crash tonight, people are given diamorphine in hospitals for pain. So why don't those people who leave hospital become addicted to heroin? If, if, if heroin is the problem, then why do people not get addicted when they get medically pure heroin in the hospital? Because heroin by itself is not addictive. Switzerland had an 80% reduction in burglaries. 80%. I sent you statistics on, uh, on Twitter once, witnessed that this was done on a micro level and witnessed in England, and 93% reduction in burglaries. People stop selling their bodies on streets in Switzerland. You, can only, you only get high-end escorts. But you don't get drug addicts on the street anymore selling their body. Why do we have to perpetuate a system that forces women to sell their body to scumbags on the streets to feed a habit? Why don't we treat no, I, I'm, I'm not agreeing with all that, but what, I, and I'm not disagreeing completely with what you're saying too, and you but, seem to have all your stats there, and that's grand, right? But what I'm saying, on a practical level, you know, when we're starting a, a new generation coming along with the fact that you don't get criminalised, or as you said, legalising, uh, Class A drugs, we're more or less saying it's okay for you to do this. I just think it's facing reality, Noel. I just think there's too many of the... The the whole idea is we have to stop stop people. Would you not believe we have to stop people from doing this? We have a duty to stop people from doing it. No, I just think it's part of human nature. People were doing drugs back in the Greek times, the Roman times. It's just part of human nature. I'd rather... But it destroys families, it destroys lives. It does, because we criminalise addicts. That's why we're... Uh, It's nothing to do with criminalisation. The criminalisation of heroin has nothing to do with the fact that heroin destroys lives. It absolutely is. No, There's a stop. reason that we have so much addiction in society nowadays, and it's not Where's so much Peter? Addiction. Where's Peter, the former addict, when I need him? The, the, the criminals. Oh, I, I, I mean, I've talked no, to Peter many times. I'm four ex-addicts in my immediate family. Absolutely. I know all about addiction. I've been around it all my life. What I don't want to see is anyone else who may come behind them and my family being criminalised and locked up for their addiction. It only became worse. But, but in saying that, we're still going to have families' lives destroyed by the very fact that people are addicted to drugs. It's, and do you know what it, but the problem is? We already have that with alcohol as well, well by the way. <laughs> 50% of the heroin that people get on the streets are full of contaminants. They absolutely destroy people. I could take medically pure heroin and stand beside you and people wouldn't be able to tell I'm on medically pure heroin. You get the shit to get on the streets. And I, people would know I was on the shit because I'm on the shit that people get on the streets that's contaminated with criminals. If you leave people in the hands of criminals, it makes them like zombies. They're vain. I've, I've, read, I've read this whole argument that medically uh, pure heroin um, is not as dangerous. And yes, it's you're not. right. You're right. It doesn't contain contaminants. Absolutely. It's still, yeah. addict- it's still an addictive substance. It is an addictive And it still destroys lives. People. people still become dependent on it. Well, and it destroys their know, lives. Unless you get pain, unless you get rid of kids having parents that beat the shit out of them, unless you can get well, rid of every, kids. Not every kid has a parent that beats the shit of, out of them. Two, no, two towards the heroin addicts were abused sexually as children. 
So do you think there's a little, maybe small correlation there? Even people that are addicted to food, 54% of those were addicted, were sexually abused as children. And their, their addiction to food started around the time they were sexually abused. Okay, well, do me a favour, stay there, because I want to bring a couple of other callers in. Please stay with me. Let me go to Pete. Pete, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Pete? Oh, I'm all right now. You help? Good. Pete, well, you've heard, you know, uh, what... Um, Patrick has to say there, he would like to see the decriminalisation and legalisation of all drugs, not just the testing centres at gigs. Well, I mean, I, I tried, I re- rang in as soon as you uh, introduced uh, Florian and what you were going to be talking about. So I, I rang in to give you a, a question to ask him, which didn't get asked, was that when people take the drugs to these testing sites um, and they fail the drug test or, or whatever they call it, or whatever they pass the drug test, yeah. that it's contaminated. I mean, what are the repercussions then? I mean, do they do they destroy it there, or do they give it back to the person? Well, I did, I did ask terrible? him. No, I did ask him that. It's their choice. Because what's going to happen? The repercussion of that is they're they're either going to try and sell it to someone else, to or, or risk taking it, or they're going to or they're going to find the drug dealer and beat the living shit out. I mean, you know, sorry, language. Yeah. No, no, I, uh, I did ask him that question. What happens? And he said that he, I think he mentioned that eighty uh, percent of people will choose not to take it, but that's their choice. In other words, they're allowed to take it away from the desk. Yeah, well, it seems it seems that very strange things happen. Well, at least they know. At least knowledge is power, isn't it? Yeah, with nature, they're they're going to try and get their money back. Okay, but getting getting back to the argument in relation to the government's new policies on uh, drug criminalisation, and in other words, if you're caught the first time, you won't get a criminal offence. And obviously, you know, Patrick is talking about legalisation of drugs or decriminalisation, which is kind of very similar anyway. I mean, do you believe that we should decriminalise Class A drugs? No, I don't at all. I don't at all. But then again, I'm I'm very much against the what is the worst drug on the planet for for side effects that is completely legalized, which is alcohol. Mm-hmm. I mean, these these in America they're they're legalizing in different states now cannabis, like because for recreational think, purposes. Yeah, well, that yeah, that's a debate we can have. Problem. Anyone that's ever been on cannabis on a Saturday night doesn't go off smashing windows or beating people up like they do on the alcohol, which causes the NHS a lot, a lot of money is spent on the NHS because of people with alcohol problems, alcohol-related problems, even domestic violence. Nothing like that ever happens with cannabis. No one has ever died from taking cannabis. Yeah, well, they have, actually, because I remember just looking this up before. They did. No, no. They did. And and addiction centres are seeing more and more young people coming in with a dependence on cannabis. But that's... But but look, I'm okay with that. I'm willing to have that debate around decriminalisation of cannabis. We're we're digressing there. Yeah, okay. We are talking Um, about Class A drugs. Definitely not. No, definitely not. It's it's causing an awful lot of problems within families, within people losing their jobs, their homes, uh, everything. It's, It's... and the repercussions of that, you know, all the, the legal ramifications of that. Well, I suppose, oh, I, I suppose Patrick's argument player. is that, well, Patrick's argument is the state would be providing it. Yeah. And the state would be selling it, I imagine. Yeah, they say the state, but it, and, uh, what you're talking about is the taxpayer. Why should the taxpayer pay for... Well, we pay for methadone. We're paying for, well, well, we're paying for methadone at the moment. Yeah, but, but methadone is an addictive substance. Absolutely. Going from it's just cheaper. To another addictive substance... That's not helping anybody at all. Patrick, I, I just think you're throwing your towel into the ring. You know, and drugs, by your own admission, your family members are on drugs, destroy their lives. Yep. You know what I mean? The drug laws, the drug laws uh, did the harm around my family. They were taking contaminants. No, no, you're, no with the greatest respect, your, your siblings who took the drugs did the harm, mm-hmm. not the laws. Uh, well, I think... 
there's, there's certain people that are susceptible to addiction. Unfortunately, certain family members of mine are due to things that happened to them in their childhood and the kind of childhood they maybe had, and that's the way that's the cause of their addiction. It's like even people addicted to alcohol now. There's people addicted to alcohol. I can't become addicted to alcohol. I couldn't if I tried, and you probably couldn't if you tried. There's only certain people susceptible to it. People need to maybe take a step back and think, why is that person addicted to a substance that I can take every day and not become addicted to? Because I didn't have the childhood that I had. I have connections in my life, and they don't. There's usually people that have, you know, maybe marriage break ups and they're on their own, they hit the bottle and they become addicted. My body doesn't shake in the morning when I, when I, after having a after having a drink that I need to get more alcohol in my body. It's only certain type, types of people. And people look at, at, it, at it, maybe they, they, you were saying about redefining how people look at uh, drugs. I'd like people to redefine how they look at people that are addicted to drugs. But I, 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 I see, I'm a firm believer and I know a lot of people want to take away the stigma. I think the stigma is a positive thing. And I know a lot of people think it's a negative thing. Maybe you think it's a negative thing. I think it's a positive thing. Stay there, please, because I, I, I want to go to uh, a couple of other people too before I finish this up. Only four minutes. Uh, let me just go to Stephen. Stephen, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Stephen? Yeah, good night. Um, Stephen, you agree with the kind of health-based approach, but... Um, the problem I have now is uh, what the kids are buying online now. The stuff coming in from China and all. It's, it's that type of stuff I'd have the problem with. And I'd actually like to see it to be extended out the testing into uh, chemists for free. Mm-hmm. And I believe that if people were to go in and test the crap that they're buying on the streets, like Patrick was saying, it may deter them from taking it. If you see what they're actually putting into their bodies, because they have no clue at the moment what they're putting in there. Yeah, they're taking a chance of some shady guy down a lane. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. So if they were to see what the actual ingredients were, what they're putting into their arms or whatever, that might be a deterrent in itself. But do you agree with what he says in relation to legalising all drugs? Uh, not hard drugs, not A is or B is. Mm-hmm. Cannabis we can talk about and probably get on board with, but not the hard class drugs, no. Well, let, well, let me go as well. I just want to go, if I can, to John before I go to the news. Sorry, John, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, John? How are you, John? Uh, John, you're a recovering addict. Yeah. And you were sentenced for, or well, you were um, convicted of cannabis use when you were 18 years of age. Yeah, well, I was put in prison in Eltjoy, 18, very vulnerable, very uneducated in drugs, really. I was from a respectable area um, on the suburbs of Dublin, and uh, I was introduced to heroin in there, and 17 years later was before I actually got off of it. So I wasted 17 years of life. I feel as there were services in place to address my problem and the issues at that time. And so you, you, were put, you were put into jail just for possession of cannabis? Well, possession with an attempt to supply it. Okay, so you had, you had enough to sell it on, yeah. Yeah. And and you feel that maybe if you hadn't been arrested at that particular time, although I don't believe we'll ever decriminalise no, it with an attempt to supply it. No, I would have been arrested, but two ounces of cannabis nowadays would not warrant a six-month sentence. You and do you, I mean? do you think if you hadn't gone to jail, was that a turning point in your life? If you hadn't gone to jail, do you think you wouldn't have went down the road you went down? I believe if I hadn't been introduce the services and counselling to address any kind of trauma I had in my life and may have steered me in a different direction. But you, but, you, but you know, John, as a recovering addict, uh, what drugs have done to your life and how drugs have completely messed up your life. So yeah, why, why would you advocate? Are you advocating decriminalisation? No, not for one second. I believe that the policies need to change. Not that, I don't put... I don't differentiate one drug from another you become addicted to it. it's whenever when you're using a substance to cope with feelings and trauma and everything else is when you become dependent on well people can become dependent on prescription drugs as well oh 100% yeah. so they're the worst drugs to get off yeah. they're the hardest drugs to get off 
But what I'm saying is there's no services in place to address the problem. Like They're using like the policies that are in place are more of a social problem rather than the addiction problem. So what should happen if I walk down the street and I have a wrap of heroin in my pocket and the guards stop me and I have it? What should happen to me? Where, where should I go? Or what should I be arrested? Should, should be, be directed, to, directed to services. Like, uh, uh, do you think that if I'm arrested and placed in prison I'm going to stop using heroin? But I just think that the, you know the I, I mean? well no, no I, I I I understand what you're trying to say. It doesn't you know one doesn't make the other right, right? But what I'm saying is that the idea for young people who are say 15 years of age, 16 years of age, that part of the life where they're they're getting into that meet, meeting people who will experiment, right? Yeah. The idea of having a criminal conviction, the idea that something is illegal, does that not deter some people from wanting to do it? No, it's actually attractive to some young people. And did that did that never worry you when you were I mean when you were eighteen years of age what what did you at eighteen years of age what had you already taken what drugs had you taken? Uh, prior to that, there would have been acid and mushrooms and mm-hmm. probably ecstasy and the usual experimental drugs. But it's, listen, I will, I I have worked in services. So I've tried to get young people into services. There's one treatment centre in this country for young people under the age of 18 and a 17,000 grand, a 17, 16 grand, I think, for an 18 program. Like, who has availability? Like, it's, 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 it's targeted at a group of people who have the finances to, to, to get into their services. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The same with the Lutton, the same with a lot of the treatment centres. Now, the HSC are putting, are broadening and changing some policies, but it's still targeted at a specific group. Whereas the major drug problems are in low economic groups and disadvantaged areas who haven't got the finances to place there. And wh- where, are you, where are you at now, John? Sorry, I've only got 30 seconds. But where are you at now? Are you, are you you're off the drugs? Years. I'm 10 years in recovery, yes. Yeah. And, and by the way, alcohol causes more deaths, more family Absolutely. Rates, more assaults than any other drug. So we class it as a drug. So people are differentiate. Well, that that's my worry. Do I? Do, yeah, but that's my worry, John. You know, when we go down this road and the government's new policy, do we want another alcohol? Well, you've been telling your kids that stay away from drugs. It's illegal. Stay it's bad. Yeah. Whereas alcohol causes more deaths, more problems. Well, more well I, by the way, I, you, maybe you don't know me that well. I don't drink, and I say the same thing to them about alcohol. Drink, yeah. And thankfully, thankfully, my my uh, two of my children don't drink at all. Yeah, and good. My my eldest son is the same. But what I'm saying to you is, um, that chap that was on there about he had family, he had siblings in addiction, said, like, people are targeting the addicts rather than targeting the problems and trauma that the addicts have. They're not addressing that. Jane, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Niall. Uh, Jane, um, you believe that we need to sort out addiction services. Uh, you had a family member yourself who was involved in drugs from the age of 13 years of age. I would have a few family members at enough through the years that would have dabbled um, and probably a large group of their friends dabble uh, and still do on occasion when they go out. It's not and what's, what sort of life. drugs are they dabbling in? Class A You'd drugs? At, yes, MDMAs, cocaine, the higher end spectrum as they call it. Mm, yeah, okay. So it's not just cannabis use, which would be very no, common. No, well, I have a different opinion on that. The cannabis that was there in the 60s and 70s and 80s is not the stuff that's out there now. There's carbon fibre and fibreglass and God knows what sprayed and that to make it grow, and that's why we have more pro- problems with cannabis nowadays than there ever was. Yeah, well, I mean, I know there has been a huge increase in the amount of people that are presenting themselves in drug uh, rehabilitation centres now, with just with cannabis use, with paranoia Again, and schizophrenia and all sorts of carry exactly on. Exactly because of how they're grown and what they're sprayed with, and how they're 
modified to increase production so there's massive side effects from that alone. So what's, what what is the answer, Jane? You know, you have the government telling us this week that we have a new policy uh, which is not going to criminalise people who are caught first time with personal possession of Class A drugs. We have people on the other side saying, oh, no, hold on, you can't do that. We're giving the green light to drugs. We want people to think drugs are bad, which is what we've always been told. So so where do we go? What, I mean, what's the answer? Well, the first title is a war on drugs is automatically going to make it look like a failure. That's a term that's been used in many other countries that haven't turned the table. I don't believe it's a complete failure. When I look at the, the headline of the paper this morning is, you know, 40 million haul of drugs caught by the police in the UK in a big picture of a warehouse full of heroin. And you often hear of big hauls in Ireland. I believe the problem would be a lot worse if there was no Garda Sheikh on our police. I agree, but if that's what was caught, how much got through? Oh, absolutely. I agree. You know what I mean? There's always a distraction behind what's allowed to be found. There's mm-hmm. methods of their madness. That's why they are the way they are. But in regards to the family member, because they don't see how or have come across the adverse effects or seen uh, a severe reaction, it, it's seen as a social, fun, enjoyment thing. And yet on the other side of it, I have a close friend who used to have him lined up for his day ahead of what he needed to get through the day. And eventually he just... He, he saw the light. He saw too many people die. But it has to be closer to home, if that makes sense. Like years and years ago, I remember seeing um, Leah Betts was her name. It was the, I think you spoke about it earlier, the girl that was allowed, her parents allowed the, that's, that's the right. paper. What was, what was her name? Leah, wasn't it? Yes. Leah Betts, yeah. And yeah. from that day to this, it has stood with me. And I can still I see that of, photograph of exactly. her lying and she had the tube in her nose and, and she's lying there. bloated and swelled yeah. and... Yeah. and that stood with me. So if you can get, or you even see people that have been um, in uh, drinking drug crashes, when you see the impact of the, the person or the car or what they survived, that will hit home faster than that, reading That photograph, that was, I'm trying to remember when that was. That was about 1993 or four, was it? Yeah, it was the early 90s. I can't yeah. give a year. But that and had, that had, had, had a massive had impact at the time. Yeah. Yes. And from that, I never had an interest, never wanted to look at it, and I'm completely against them. Because the idea but, was at the time that there was a girl who went out to a nightclub or a party or whatever it was she went to, I can't remember, I think it was a nightclub she went to, and t- had taken one ecstasy tablet, and she died. Yeah. Um, and that was a better impact for people than hearing somebody died, or unfortunately, like that young boy in Cork. We've heard it, but was like, that won't be me. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that when it comes to not necessarily teen drug ex- experimentation, there's an awful lot of horrific drugs that are mixed in with them, like carfentanil, which is an, al- an elephant tranquilizer, alfentanil, oxymorphone. These are highly addictive, affect heart rate and res- respiratory. So you're drinking on top of that. You're going to die in your sleep. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's horrifying. Rat poison is, there, is yes. another thing I was told was going to get mixed if in. If people do get to test the drug, I'm not saying I 100% agree with it, but if you get to test it, it's in it. It might be scary enough. Or even when where you're able to do the drug testing, I'm not saying it should be complete. Uh, a wall full of people that have died or the photographs. But if you can put a human side to it or a face to the drug and the effect, education is far better. Yeah, but but, but in in saying that, the argument against that is we see people, obviously I live in Dublin, so, you know, my kids, if they're in town, they will see people on the boardwalk like zombies strung out of their head on heroin. And, you know, that doesn't put some kids off. They still, you know, we all know the effects of heroin and the, and, the, and the devastating effects it can have, not just on the individual, but on their extended family as well. And yet, the people still do it. Yeah. But, again, those people are probably not 16 and 17 on the streets. When you walk past those, you're like, oh, they're homeless. Oh, mm-hmm. they're alcoholics and they're just taking drugs to forget their day. Mm-hmm. But if you have a more... Dr- if your cost would say, as you said, whether it's cannabis or heroin at this stage, it should be a mandatory 
where you're made to go to an awareness thing and meet people that have survived it or people that unfortunately have lost a limb from going further to drug uh, injection or whatever. Drug awareness program is far better to attend than a funeral service. Mm-hmm. And in relation to possession, if I'm caught tomorrow with, say, you know, a wrap of cocaine or heroin in my pocket, uh, should I be should I get a criminal conviction for that? If it's your first offence, I totally agree that it should be seized. And so if we had a caution programs again, yeah. But a second time, two strikes and you're out. It, it, how would you put it? What's to say? Fool me once and. It's all right, George Bush tried to say that as well and it didn't work out too well, so don't worry yeah. about it. No, like, nobody's perfect. Everybody, they do experiment. And I, I said, I know people that are in their 50s and 60s and still take drugs when they go out because it's part of their social experience and they haven't had an adverse effect or a close friend mm. die. But it's when it, it knocks on your door or like as we spoke about that photo and you, you see at your age, that could have been you. It makes Absolutely. a bigger impact. Okay, well, fair play to you, and it's fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. <laughs> that's that's the one. All right, listen, thank you very thank much you indeed. Me, I appreciate it. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.